Hey, law nerds. There's a brand new show on Legal Talk Network about the First Amendment called Make No Law. Here's a quick trailer about the show. News and pop culture are full of controversies about free speech and the First Amendment. We hear terms like hate speech and heckler's veto in a barrage of coverage about campuses, protests, and even wedding cakes. But what does it all mean, and how did we get here? That's exactly what my new show, Make No Law, the First Amendment podcast from Hopat.com, will explore. I'm Ken White, and I invite you to tune in every month for the history, stories, and personalities behind the right to free speech and the most important Supreme Court cases establishing it. You can find Make No Law on LegalTalkNetwork.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you are listening to this podcast. And now, on to the Paralegal Voice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Carl Morrison, a certified paralegal devoted to law and your host of the Paralegal Voice. I'm a certified paralegal and paralegal educator, and I'm devoted to not only the paralegal profession, but to all legal professionals, from legal support professionals to paralegals and to those whom we support, attorneys. I'm devoted to helping others enhance their passion and dedication for the paralegal profession through entertaining and engaging interviews. Today, we have a special guest, Her name is Andrea Grabo. She is a certified paralegal. And Andrea, we are grateful that you're here today. Welcome to the show. If you don't mind, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, Carl. Thanks for having me. I'm a certified paralegal. I'm originally from Claremore, Oklahoma. I actually became a paralegal in 2009 and spent six years at a medical malpractice insurance defense law firm in Tulsa. And I obtained my certified paralegal in 2011, and I received the NALA Affiliate Award in 2013. And then in 2015, I moved from Oklahoma to Maryland, which is where I currently live. And I work at the Department of Justice. Well, I work for a government contractor called Lidos. I am stationed at the Consumer Protection Branch of the U.S. Department of Justice in Washington, D.C., And when I first moved, I was with the contractor Lockheed Martin, which a lot of your listeners might recognize. Um, In 2016, my department actually merged with a different government contractor called Lidos. So I'm officially employed by Lidos, but I am stationed at the government. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And of course, you're in one of my favorite locations, our nation's capital, and uh, I'm jealous that you get to enjoy all that legal stuff all the time. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's kind of fun walking down the street and you look over and, oh, look, there's the White House. Or, oh, look, there's the Washington (laughs) Monument in the distance. Even after three years, like, it still kind of gets me sometimes. Right, right. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Thomson Reuters Firm Central, cloud-based legal practice management that streamlines your day and automates non-billable administrative tasks so you can accomplish more with less. And also NALA. NALA is a professional association for paralegals providing continuing education, voluntary certification, and professional development programs. 
Nala has been a sponsor of The Paralegal Voice since our very first show. And finally, ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume servers, who embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. And now, back to the show. So, we have a special guest with us, Andrea Grabo, certified paralegal. And we're just going to jump right off into their questioning here, Andrea, about transitioning from a law firm into a corporate or federal legal position. So did you ever have a desire to work in a corporate setting or work for the government as a paralegal? Okay, first, let me just say that these are my own thoughts and in no way reflect any official government or contractor policies, nor do I speak for the government or my employer. And now back to your question, Carl. Not really until I came to the East Coast. There are so many more government opportunities here in D.C. than in the Midwest. And not that there aren't opportunities to work for a government agency in Oklahoma, but it's on a whole other level in D.C. Working and living in D.C., I can just imagine that it's just a totally different world than uh, working and living in Oklahoma. So tell me, what experiences have best prepared you for your current position in D.C.? Trial. Definitely. Um, I love trial, trial, everything trial. Also having organization, you know, just learning how to be a paralegal in a law firm is really no different than essentially being a paralegal with the government. There are a few things that are done differently. You definitely work with a lot more people in the government than in the law firm. But for me, I'm lucky that my current job title is project supervisor which can cover um, a wide range of opportunities. And so I was able to specialize in my favorite part of being a paralegal, which is trial preparation and trial presentation. And so working for a litigation law firm in Oklahoma has definitely directly transitioned into working for the government as a litigation paralegal. That's fantastic. So definitely your trial experience in in history helped you in your current position. So let's talk about transitioning, transitioning from what I call the law firm world to the corporate, and in your case, the federal government position. What was your most significant career challenge that you faced making that transition? The paperwork. I know everyone jokes about the government's red tape, but being hired by the government or by a government contractor involves a very rigorous process of paperwork and background checks at different levels. And I know for me, I only have the most basic level of security clearance that may not even be able to be called a security clearance, but the paperwork was astounding that I had to do in order to apply for the job that I have. And I would say that the length of time everything takes. I applied for the job And it took about a month between when I submitted my application to when the interview got set up. And granted, I was still living in Oklahoma at the time. And so the hiring managers were very good about working with me and working around my schedule of traveling. But on the trip that I made when I had the job interview, I also signed a lease on an apartment here in Maryland. And so I had to put my notice in at the law firm back in Tulsa and then moved back out here to the East Coast two weeks after that. And it was still a month before my actual start date. So between applying and interviewing was approximately a month. And then interviewing to start date was about a month and a half. 
But while I was here, I still had to travel to various locations in D.C. and Virginia during that time frame to continue with the hiring process, doing all of the standard new hire background checks, drug testing, etc. So it was a lot of timing. Things just take a little bit longer than normal. Yes. And for anyone who might be looking to transition, my advice would be to make sure that you ask up front about what kind of time frame the hiring managers tend to expect. And being hired by the government might even be a different time frame than being hired by a contractor. And sometimes it just depends on timing, uh, like what time of year it is, if the government's in a hiring freeze, or if they think they might go into a hiring freeze, or if they're just coming out of a hiring freeze, that sort of thing. I kind of stumbled into it, but because I asked several of the right questions at the right time, I was able to figure it out quickly and then compensate for it. Because it was about a month exactly between my last law firm paycheck and my first contractor paycheck, but I was very fortunate to have a support network. But it's definitely better to be able to plan for that sort of thing prior to changing jobs. Right. Exactly. Did you find adjusting from um, mid-sized to large-sized law firm to a government position difficult? Not entirely. I mean, I still had an office. It had a door and it closed, so that was nice. And, you know, working with attorneys and preparing for trial are basically the same. Now, the types of cases and the lawyer personalities are very different in the government than they were at the law firm. But then the government offers you unique prosecutorial opportunities that you can only access through the government. For me, the hardest part is probably the acronyms. I know that might sound kind of strange, but there are so many government acronyms that the people who have been working here for 10 plus years just drop all the time. And I know for at least the first six months, I found myself saying, and that stands for quite a lot. (laughs) I mean, I'm better now, especially with the ones that I see all the time, but I still run across random letters that don't make sense until I look them up or ask someone. So what skills had you developed while you worked in the law firm that really have served you well working in the federal government? Definitely being organized, teamwork. Um, is also a very important skill to have because the government has a lot more procedure and red tape than a law firm. So you have to be able to get along with everyone and look at yourself as more of a cog in the machine rather than a separate machine operating under the same umbrella as other paralegals. Right, exactly. Okay, we're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Andrea Grabo, CP about transitioning from a law firm to a corporate or government setting. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Firm Central cloud-based legal practice management software for solo and small law firms provides a single online location for all of the tools you need to manage client files and perform client work and offers unrivaled integration with Westlaw. With Firm Central, you can securely store and organize documents and case files, manage time tracking and billables, and collaborate with clients through a secure client portal from anywhere there is an internet connection. 
Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Carl Morrison. My guest today is Andrea Grabo, CP. Andrea, before the commercial break, we were discussing about some of the skills that assisted you in your transition. Making that transition and, and working now for a while in the government, did you find that you needed to be more flexible with your supervising attorneys in your government position versus working in a law firm? Honestly, I would say I had to be more flexible working at the law firm, which kind of surprised me. But there were a lot more last-minute emergencies at the law firm. But I've never had a government attorney run into my office breathless and ask me to do something ASAP. These government attorneys have time management down to an almost science, which makes piecing out the deadlines pretty easy. And so it's a lot less stressful when I can plan my day or my week. And then it actually goes as planned. And again, not always, but it's a lot less stressful than at a law firm. And that's not to say that you don't have to be flexible with the government attorneys, because being flexible is a great attribute to have. But I'm finding that I'm working a lot less overtime and working on a lot less emergency projects with the government attorneys than I did with the law firm attorneys. So what one thing do you find most rewarding working for the federal government versus working for a law firm? I think I mentioned before, I personally am stationed at the Consumer Protection Branch of the Department of Justice. So for me, I personally find it extremely rewarding that we work to protect the consumer. I've had two telemarketing violations cases, as well as one consumer product safety case that have all gone to trial in the last three years that I've been there. And I can see that the differences that our department makes because people stop getting annoying telemarketing calls or the products that they can buy in the stores are safer because of the regulations and the work that the government does to essentially protect the consumer. And that's fantastic. And it sounds like you you do get some reward from your position working for the government. So kudos to you. Thank you. Do you find that there are any drawbacks to working in-house slash federal government? There are certain ways of doing things. So there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of procedure because the federal government is enormous. And so trying not to be, you know, become overwhelmed with the scope of everything and trying to kind of keep all of the administrative portions of the cases, you know, in line and functioning has been a challenge. And sometimes it can be a matter of too many cooks in the kitchen if the government attorney is asking me for one thing, but then my contractor supervisor is recommending, you know, that I do a different thing. And so trying to coordinate all of that communication, not only between the attorneys that I work with and then also my supervisor at my employer, but there are also several different support agencies and support departments that we deal with in terms of discovery and document analysis and that sort of thing. And so trying to coordinate everybody is sometimes a big job. So in other words, it's like herding cats, huh? Always. (laughs) That being said, for as enormous as the federal government is, it operates as efficiently as it can at least for the people that I work with and the parts of it that I've seen, 
you know, when, when you look at it and you think, how did this come to be, you know, or kind of why do we have to do this procedure this certain way? And that, you know, it's because you have a lot of different personalities and a lot of different people coming together. You just have to streamline certain things and do things a certain way, you know, and and you have all kinds of different levels of approvals that certain things need to have. And so it's inspiring, actually. And it's very impressive to me at just how efficient the whole process is when you take into consideration just how much the federal government deals with on a daily basis. Yeah, exactly. So I've got another question here for you. Did you have a difficult time adjusting working for the federal government after having worked for a law firm, large law firm, or did you find that it was a pretty easy transition? Well, I was definitely well equipped to handle the case volume that the government deals with regularly. I had worked on several large cases at the law firm, and for the government, having a million documents in any given case is a small number on their scale. So my experience dealing with large cases has definitely helped and been enhanced during my transition and then now working for the government. And for me, I had to get used to dealing with calm people, as well as the constant network of communication of keeping everyone informed. So, Andrea, what advice would you give a paralegal considering transitioning from a law firm setting to either working for a governmental entity or a corporate in-house type of situation? Well, I think I had previously mentioned the timeframes for hiring about you know planning for that hiring window, but also make sure that you essentially do a background check on yourself to see what your potential employer might find as far as, you know, credit report, you know, kind of knowing what your score is and knowing generally what's on your credit report. And that way, if there is something that's maybe a little bit less than stellar, or if there's something that you could improve in your credit report, then you can include that as part of your planning process when you're planning for your transition prior to applying for any jobs that you can actually bring up your credit score so that when you submit your application, you look even better to a potential employer. And then, of course, having, you know, the organization and communication skills, being able to work well with others, you know, having your discovery and document analysis skills are going to be really important when you actually go in-house or go into a government setting. Yeah, depending on the area of law that you're working in right now, when you transition, you may have to beef up some particular areas. I know for me, I had to uh, really hone in on employment law because that was not an area that I've worked in in uh, the law firm, but it's now an area that I have and, and touch on regularly. So being familiar and learning what the state statutes say about particular employment issues and drafting particular Uh, employment contracts is important. So you know about a position and you may want to apply for a position, but you may have to build on some of those uh, skills. So great advice, Andrea, definitely. So of course, I always have to have a fun question thrown in there of my guests, and you're not any different. So don't think you can get away from this question. So my question to you, Andrea, if you were to create a slogan for your life, what would it be? 
you know, like Nike's, just do it. So what is your slogan? Um, well, one of my favorite quotes is, this too shall pass, which is a great tool to have in your toolbox when dealing with attorneys, no matter where they come from. But a slogan for my life, and for the people who know me, this might make them laugh, good people are the unicorns of love. I love it. Absolutely love it. For our listeners, I will tell you that Andrea has a um, healthy um, obsession for unicorns. And so I just love that slogan for you, Andrea, and most definitely it fits. So Andrea, truly thank you for joining me today. If a listener would like to get in touch with you to talk and ask and bend your ear about transitioning, how would they reach out to you? Well, I'm always available uh, via email, and my email address is andrea.grabo at gmail.com, and that's A-N-D-R-E-A dot G-R-A, B as in boy, O-W, at gmail.com. And anyone can feel free to call or text me. My cell phone number is 918-606-1178. Keep in mind, I am on the East Coast, but I do try to keep West Coast friendly hours. And I have a long commute back and forth to work. It's about two hours one way. So I'm always happy to be talking or networking, you know, while I'm on the bus. I am glad I don't have that commute anymore. So uh, <laughs> kudos to you to, to dealing with that two-hour commute every day. So thank you, Andrea. Let's take another short break now. Don't go away because when I come back, I'll have news and other paralegal tidbits to share with you. NELA offers continuing education, professional development, and voluntary certification for all paralegals. The Certified Paralegal Credential has been awarded to more than 19,000 paralegals. The Certified Paralegal Program is also the first paralegal certification program accredited by the National Commission for Certifying Agencies. NALA works actively with all those in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. Learn more about NALA at www.nala.org. Welcome back. The following are some upcoming paralegal and paralegal-related conferences worth noting and, more importantly, attending. So be sure, and if you haven't registered for one of these, you do so soon and attend. NALA is having their 2018 conference and expo July 11th through 13th in St. Louis, Missouri. Join paralegals from across the nation and attend the largest paralegal conference in the country. Information about the conference sessions can be found on NALA's website at nala.org. And I can tell you that there are some really good sessions that are lined up. Most definitely you want to attend, and I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Nels is hosting Adventure Tulsa 2018, April 5th through the 7th, at the Hyatt Regency in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Come gain CLE, but not in the traditional setting. CLE is going to be held in various locations, including the federal court, local paralegal, classroom, and other non-traditional settings. But it's not just CLE. Fun events will be mixed in as well, most definitely. So seating is limited, and there are still a couple of seats left. So be sure and register at www.nals.org. I will be in attendance, and I'm looking forward to networking, learning, and having a lot of fun. And don't forget about our new segment called The Listener's Voice. 
This is a segment of the show where I give you, the listener, an opportunity for your voice to be heard and send me an email with any of your questions, career celebrations, etc. If there's a particular topic or you have a question that you'd like for me to answer or maybe a prior guest that you've listened to that you have a question for, be sure to send me an email and make your voice, the listener's voice, known and heard. Send your email to me at devotedtolaw at gmail.com. That's D-E-V-O-T-E-D, number two, L-A-W, at gmail.com. Today's question comes from Arlena. Arlena asks, what is your opinion about including introduction letters to firms when applying for a job? Arlena, that's a really great question, and I'll tell you that I am a firm believer of including that introduction letter with your resume when you send it to a potential employer. The reason why you do an introduction letter is you want to showcase some special skills that you wouldn't necessarily maybe put in your resume, but you want to grab the reader's attention. And most often it's a head of an HR department or it's a senior partner or even a senior paralegal that may be conducting the interviews. And if you can grab their attention, the best way to do it is with that introduction letter. So most definitely you want to craft a a strong introduction letter that really sells you the potential employee to this potential employer. So most definitely do those introduction letters. I always tell students that's a, a vital part of getting a really good job. So thank you, Arlena. And listeners, most definitely keep those questions coming. That's all the time we have today for The Paralegal Voice. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to me at devotedtolaw at gmail.com. That's D-E-V-O-T-E-D, the number two, L-A-W, at gmail.com. Stay tuned for more information in upcoming podcasts for exciting paralegal trends, news, and engaging and fun interviews from leading paralegals and other leading legal professionals. And I'm reminding you that I'm here to enhance your passion and dedication to the paralegal profession and make your paralegal voice heard. So if you'd like more information, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS, and find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or most definitely download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.